Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today on our podcast, episode 114, my special guest is Kate Fraser Neely. Kate is a veteran voice teacher, a vocologist, a singing voice rehabilitation specialist, accomplished musician, and author. Today, we are talking about the upcoming book, Singing Through Change, Women's Voices in Midlife, Menopause, and Beyond. She has co-authored this book with Nancy Boss and Joanne Bozeman. This is a wonderful conversation about a very important topic that affects all of us in our teaching studios. Now, before I welcome Kate onto the podcast, a couple of quick announcements registration is now open for the 2020 Knoxville Nats convention. Early bird special rates are now in effect until April 1st. I hope to see you there. And if you are looking for fun resources for your students, please check out thefullvoice.com. Our free resources page has fantastic fun activities for students of all ages. And now, on to our episode. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, Kate Fraser-Neely. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm great, Nikki, and I'm really delighted and, and honored to talk to you today, not only because of who you are, but on this topic of uh, women's Voices in Midlife, Menopause, and Beyond. Oh, my goodness. I have so many questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) This may become a two-parter. We don't know yet. Um, (laughs) This is something that certainly uh, I'm dealing with in my life, as well as many of the singers coming into my studio. And this is such an important topic. So thank you so much for your work in this. And I want to say hello and send virtual hugs to Nancy Boss and Joanne Bozeman because they have been working with you on this project as well. Um, But before we dive into that, you are a very, very special uh, (laughs) No, 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 no. But let me finish. Let me finish. You are such a special, an educator, you're a vocologist, you're a researcher, you have been passionate about the singing voice, you have an incredible journey with your own singing voice that I I really would like people to, to hear about. So would you be so kind to give us your story and your background and how, how things have unfolded for you? Because I think it just leads into our topic so beautifully. Oh, wow. Um, So uh, I think that what is appropriate in terms of what you're asking is that I've had an unusually severe health history up until Mm -hmm. fairly recently. Um, And much of it was hormonal. Mm -hmm. And uh, much of it most of the medical solutions, not most of them, that's that's hyperbole, uh, at least half of them almost killed me. Oh, goodness. Uh, literally almost killed me. Mm-hmm. And um, those were hormonal issues. Whether or not the diagnosis of bilateral vocal fold paresis in 2013 was part of that, I'll never know. Mm-hmm. But I have, I have tracked it down quite a bit. And... Um, there is a um, Vocal Fry podcast uh, with Nicholas. Yes, we had uh, Nicholas. Nicholas was on our was a guest, and uh, Nicholas is part of the Nats podcast network. Yes, I love him, mm-hmm. and he did a full interview with me on my journey through vo- bilateral vocal fold paresis. Um, it's a rare diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Only, um, according to studies, there's only one percent of every 100 paresis cases are bilateral, meaning both vocal folds. And um, there's not much known about it and um, can exist on the spectrum just like other vocal fold weakness. So it's either pretty mild. There are probably a lot of really fine singers my age walking around with mild paresis, but they're singing just fine. Mm. 
and um, and then all the way to moderate or severe paresis. If it was full paralysis, you would probably die because your airway wouldn't work. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, but I do think that that history alongside my passion for singing and voice education and the ways I've participated in pioneering movements mm -hmm. in vocal pedagogy my whole life um, kind of existed alongside this other part of my life's journey. And so I have, a, you know, just this really unique perspective on things mm -hmm. um, that come from both of those things together. And that is a large part of the reason why I um, agreed to write this book, or I should say, should say collaborate with Nancy and Joanne. Does well, that answer your question? It, it does, it does. And I, I wanted to go back just again, before we dive into um, our topic, um, you, your, your philosophy on teaching, you're very much, and I'm going to use your own words here, connecting health and wellness with singing. Can you, yeah. can you overview that for people? I think that's so important. And if I may, before you answer that, that's one of the challenges I have in my teaching studio. I see so many of my singers of all ages and the underlying issues with their voice is their health and how they treat their bodies. And it is so difficult for me to express to them, this is all connected. You can't have one without the other. So I would love to know a little bit more about your philosophy in this, selfishly for my own studio. There we go. <laughs> well, I, I think that there are a lot of singers, myself included, who feel like they would not be healthy if they hadn't been singing mm. this whole I have a, a close colleague who is a former Metropolitan Opera um, regional finalist who has severe asthma. Oh. And she she's my age, she's 63, and she always said if, if she wasn't a singer, she'd be dead by now. Wow. <laughs> she, also, she also happens to be a very fine musician and brilliant mind, um, very, very loving human being. But I think a lot of people come into singing with the idea of performance. Mm -hmm. Singing is performance, don't get me wrong, but our motivations to perform will, our motivations to perform are deep and varied and many. And performance itself can be a form of healing, not only for the singer, but for the audience. And if someone is singing to prove themselves to a parent or to classmates that made fun of them, or if they're performing um, to, to, be, to prove that they can do it and be the best, that is gonna be a different motivation than people who sing to increase health and wellness and relationship with themselves and others. That's a different motivation. And I, I um, you know, we all love having someone who can sing really well and who's just a performing machine. <laughs> and we might have great influence on them, but that's a different kind of teaching and motivation and depth of experience than singing for health and wellness. Health, you know, singing for health and wellness, performance is a part of that. Yes. For people for whom it's just performing, 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 uh, and showing that they're the best, or showing that can do, or it feels an emotional, even feeling an emotional need is a form of healing. If you can get past your singing to feel that and figure out how to fill that emotional need so that the singing becomes deeper, mm. that's what I'm talking about. I love that. And so not the right voice teacher for everyone who wants to perform and not consider how their singing can contribute to their health and wellness because it's technically functional singing is part of health and wellness. See, vocal pedagogy has changed so much to include voice health and voice science. Um, and when we look at those things as separate, 
and not contributing to the depth of health and wellness that we all can, can be capable of. And that's saying something coming from somebody who's got the health history I have. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it turns it into an incredible mission. Absolutely. At least that's my opinion. Oh, I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for that. Now, I, the, the book that you are co-authoring with Nancy and Joanne, um, Singing Through Change, Women's Voices in Midlife, Menopause, and Beyond, uh, it's coming out very soon. I'm so excited for this work. It is well needed in our industry. I have a question. I would like to know how three incredibly busy ladies with so much going on in individually, how did you, how did you organize this? How did you come first of all to, to want to write this? And then how did you, how did you do it? You know, that's something that we've talked about a lot because it's sort of a wonder to us. (laughs) I mean, it's just kind of magic. And there was a lot of synchronicity in this. Mm. And the first synchronistic thing was that Nancy and I met in Michelle's Speakeasy Cooperative. Ah, yes. And at, at the time, and this was this was just about maybe two and a half years ago, Nancy and I were two of the older, more experienced pedagogues at the time. That's not the case now. There's many more. And it attracted Mary Beth and, mm. and Cynthia Vaughn was, was already there. Yes. Um, but... You know, she and I were just talking about this a little bit. You know how sometimes if, if you're if you've got a bit of an imp in you, you kind of push on somebody, and if they push back, you go, "Oh, this person is interesting. I want to know more about this person." <laughs> yes. And I've got a bit of the imp, and Nancy has got sort of this um, snowplow thing about her, just boom straight through, right? <laughs> And I'm the imp going, tap, 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 are you interesting? Tap, 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 are you interesting to me? Tap, 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 blah, 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 blah. So we, we were kind of doing this snowplow imp thing back and forth very subtly. And we were like, oh, this person is really cool. I need to know more about her. Um, then through another speakeasy person, uh, uh, which was, at the time was Peter Jacobson of mm. Total Vocal Forum, Peter invited me to do a World Voice Day event, um, which I called Reframing Menopause for Singers. And Nancy attended the event, and afterwards we started talking about writing a book. Hmm. And what would and and then we kind of had some meetings and, and started, you know, fleshing out and talking about ideas and stuff, and it wasn't very clear. And in in the in August of 2018, she had met, I believe, and I might not have the date right on that. She had met Joanne Bozeman mm-hmm. at a conference, and she slid into next to Joanne and she said, "How would you like to write a book on this topic with Kate Fraser Neely and I?" And she said, "Sure." <laughs> and she, she she had already talked to me. Uh, Nancy had already talked to me and said, do you mind if we invite Joanne in on this? So we met for the first time at the Pan American Vocology Association conference in Seattle in 2018, and we had lunch. This was the first time we had all met together. And we didn't know each other. Wow. You know, we were going by feeling. We were going by instinct. We were going by this little bit of inter-exchange that we had had with each other. And we didn't know, really know that much about each other. And so I suggested that we start by saying what we each individual, in, individually were motivated by to write a book like this. Because we certainly weren't ep- experts on the topic. I mean, looking back on it, we didn't know anything. <laughs> and, um, and it t- takes a lot of chutzpah to write a book about which you know nothing except your own personal experience. And so I think that Nancy started off by saying that she had this ardent belief that everybody needs to sing. Everybody deserves to know what singing is like. Everybody knows, deserves to know that singing is part of a well-lived life. Mm. And 
then Joanne, as it turns out, has been interested in hormones and singing for many, 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 many years. And she actually has experience as an early childbirth educator. Oh, I did not so know that. Was, that. That is like, whoa, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then when it was my turn, I said, I'm angry. Oh. I'm angry as he double toothpicks. <laughs> and I have, I have to find a way to transform this anger into something useful or it's going to destroy me. Mm. So those were our initial, those were our initial motivations. And then we had to start to get to know each other and we ended up, let's make a long story short. We ended up writing this book in a really unique way in that Nancy has been the foundational organizer and the keeper of keeping Joanne and I on task. We can go on diversions and down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. And Nancy, it's been, for Nancy, it's been like herding cats <laughs> m- many times. Let's okay. get to the topic at hand. But she's done a brilliant job. And what we ended up doing was Joanne and I each wrote a chapter Um, based on our own, using our own language. And then Nancy went in and combined the chapters and wrote it in language that the average person can understand. Wow. Because often the information um, is in, you know, uh, journals in medicine and vocal pedagogy um, that are behind firewalls that people don't have access to. And a lot of it, the information is online, but the credible information comes from the medical and scientific communities, and you have to translate that. So we had to read all that and then translate it into comprehensible language. That is quite the undertaking. And so every chapter, and then we then we edited then we edited and edited and edited and edited and then we sent it to our ed, um our editor faith and then she would send back her comments and we'd edit it again and then we would send it out to readers people that we felt were going to be our reader or the type of person who would read that and they sent their comments back they were they were incredible all of them were incredible mm-hmm. um but, but you know what, I left out a really important thing, which was that we started off by creating an interview. And then we sent out the interview. We, we sent out a call for women who had experienced singing through menopause and menopause, who would be willing to share their stories. Wow, okay. And we, we, put, we, had, we had students and friends and colleagues that we asked, but a lot of the women sort of came out of the woodwork on various forums and, and that sort of people we didn't know. And we created, you know, um, there's something called um, the Climacteric Index, which is an index that um, gynecologists and endocrinologists and other doctors use to see if someone might be in many perimenopause. Oh, yeah, we keep calling it Mary, Mary Penamaz. Mary Penemaz. <laughs> um, to use to see if someone is in um, perimenopause or postmenopause. And we're using the definition of the word menopause to mean when you have not had your period for 12 months. Okay. So you're not fully in menopause medically until you have not had your period for 12 months. So if you go through, let's say, six months of no periods and you get your period in the seventh month, that means those six months you could still get pregnant. Okay. That's good clarification. So that's, that's, the, that's the base that we're using. And we also created something that's based on um, something that's used in research called the Voice Handicap Index, which helps speech language pathologists and vocologists determine what a woman is actually experiencing with her singing, because that's important information. Mm-hmm. And we sort of, we didn't, by the way, we didn't know we were doing this at the time. <laughs> we were just doing what seemed logical. It wasn't until almost two years later that we figured out what we had done. Wow. 
And so we put these two indexes together and created this index. And then we received the interviews from these women. We either heard them like one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. like on Zoom, mm -hmm. or they wrote in, and we collated all their experiences and put them as best we could into this chart. And we started seeing a picture Wow. That I knew I knew intuitively because of my experience. But you there's no such thing as typical or normal. We all have an individual experience. And everything that's out there tries to reduce us to a series of main symptoms. Some of them are more familiar like hot flashes. Right. Um and and that that when you're in perimenopause, you'll have these symptoms, you'll have these vocal issues. Or when you're in postmenopause, you'll have these. And it's just not true. Some women get through their menopause early without any symptoms, and then it's postmenopause that they start having all the symptoms well into their 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, we, we were just astonished when we started to see this picture. And there's been a lot of research that's come out lately. Um, the subject's been behind a curtain um, for a long time because it's maybe it's about hormones and menopause and periods and fertility. Um, although the premenstrual voice changes, which is called premenstrual voice syndrome, mm -hmm. has gotten some attention, voice changes that may accompany menopause have gotten less press. The other thing I want to say right now is that we were also astonished to find out that at least 50% of women out there who've been interviewed have no voice issues. They have so few menopausal symptoms, they just glide right through them. Oh, and their voice is just... That's reassuring. Voices. That's very reassuring. I'm glad you said that because yeah. I don't, I don't want somebody that, listening to this going, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? So thank you for yeah. clarifying that. Yeah, it's, it's really, we can celebrate them. Mm. We can really celebrate them. And their voice changes are just in, in terms of the general maturation that comes with having a fuller, warmer voice as we get older. Mm. I like uh, Brian. Brian Lee always talks about the voice as a fine wine that it, it mellows as we age. And I like that analogy because it's it's I think it's helpful to think of it in a positive light as we change our voices change through the years rather than a, a diminishing effect. It, it, that's very, very important. And I, I it's kind of like that's the same thing about our bodies. They say the women's bodies are like a fine wine. They, mm. they age age and mellow with time. I'm not sure about mellowing. <laughs> uh, because testosterone, after you're through your change, testosterone becomes unopposed. Estrogen and testosterone are so supposed to work in sync together. Mm -hmm. And after you, your estrogen drops enough that you cannot conceive anymore, it usually means testosterone levels are unopposed. So women get can get more assertive. Mm, mm -hmm. Which is a good thing. But that, that's 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 another whole topic right then and there. <laughs> very good, very but, good. But the book is for that other 50%. We're talking millions of women who sing. Mm -hmm. Right? That other 50% who experience minor to debilitating physical and voice issues. Now, can for someone who is maybe not aware of this, what can you go through the range of symptoms that could be uh, I know we're generalizing here, but can you go through the range of symptoms that that people are going through when they're experiencing difficulties? Vocal difficulties? Yes. Okay. One of the issues is that some vocal symptoms of perimenopause and menopause can mask as other things. Ah. So for example, if you're experiencing one of the main symptoms is dryness. Mm. Mm -hmm. you you start to get a really, really thirsty and your vocal folds can feel a little wooden. Like ah. they're not, they're not quite, you know, the mucosa is not quite, um, 
covering and allowing this wonderful movement of the folds. Um, and there are estrogen receptors all over the body, and that includes the vocal folds. Mm. So as you have the wild fluctuations of estrogen during perimenopause, and as you get through the eventual decline of estrogen, although it never leaves your body fully, that's kind of something that we want people to know, is that it seems like as we are, we lose all our estrogen and turn up into dried old prunes. <laughs> that's that's not necessarily the case. Um, so dryness is one, but dryness can also be a sign of diabetes. Ah, okay. Dryness can also be thyroid hormone disorder, mm. which is not a sexual product reproductive hormone. Thyroid is not, but it can if it has a disorder, it can have the same symptoms. Right. Um, also just being dehydrated and not, not tending your body well enough with hydration. Mm. Mm-hmm. So all this has come out in pedagogy about hydration and, and humidifiers and nebulizers. That's very important, but it's even more so as we age. So that's an example of a symptom that can mask something else. Or it might just be hormonal fluctuations in perimenopause due to the estrogen dropping and progesterone. They're both, they're all like on this wackadoodle ride because they're they're starting to move into the next phase, which is um, your next reproductive phase, which does not involve conceiving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that that can be a sad thing for women. I went through that too. I was ready to not have any children, any more children. Mm -hmm. But it's still a sad thing. You kind of have to acknowledge it and allow yourself to move through that. Now that I'm on the other end, I'm like, oh, my God. Thank God. Thank <laughs> God. I oh. uh, so, um, this, and then other symptoms are uh, you might find yourself developing mucus. Oh, okay. So there's more phlegm. And this is what's interesting because, of course, you, you know that that could be the result of anything. Allergies, colds, viruses. Um, as a matter of fact, what, how is it pronounced? Cystinitis? Sinusitis? Oh, yes. It has, to do with, it, it has to do with getting more junk in your sinuses. That's a sign of premenstrual voice. Oh. It's... Is, is you'll have a few days, two or three days, where everything feels goopy and stuffed and stuff. That's a hormone change. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It can be the result of other things. But there have been some studies that have, and, and articles, credible articles, that have, have talked about this, that they're finding lots of phlegm and gunk on the vocal folds of perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopausal singers, which is probably the result of dryness. So right. your body body tries to right, it tries to make mucus to help you, but it's just like it's it's just like sitting there like having a party and, and you don't know what to do about it. Because it it prevents the vocal folds from meeting like they need to. Right. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey podcast listeners, Aaron here with your My Music Staff Minute. One of the big decisions you have to make when running your business is how to collect payments. And if you're going to accept online payments, you will be paying processing fees on your transactions. It's a cost of doing business that you just can't avoid. So how do you figure out what these payment fees might add up to? First, you need to understand the interchange rate. There will be different rates for different types of cards. Basic, no rewards credit cards will have the lowest rates, and premium cards will be higher. American Express cards often have the highest. If you accept any international credit cards, the fees can increase as well. While these processing fees can seem nominal, they start to add up. The more your business grows, the more students you'll have to bill. With an increase in transactions, you'll see an increase in payment processing fees. While you might have the option to pass on a convenience fee to the payers to help offset the cost, this convenience fee doesn't necessarily cover the whole cost. The legality of passing the fee on varies from location to location, so you may not be able to do this depending on where your studio is. 
What many studio owners do to offset these fees is build them into their tuition and increase rates. That way, your customers don't feel like they're being charged for your business expense and you're not taking a hit to your revenue. My music staff never takes a cut of your payments, and we integrate with Stripe and PayPal. As a member, you'll even get the PayPal Pro monthly fee waived. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial at mymusicstaff.com. And stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. I love... I'm I'm sitting there... I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay... Either we don't have enough moisture or we have too much moisture. I mean, that's the singer's curse. It's always, it's a, for me, it's always one or the other. I, I, it, there, it's a good day when I feel well hydrated and not over gunky. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that um, in talking about how we work together as a team, and this has to, this is a comment with what you just said. I think one of my gifts is a holistic overview mm. that I bring to this. It's, it's, it's kind of like being a bird and flying over a landscape and seeing all the all the way, all things are connected, mm. you know. And one of that is the part of the reason we, we can have trouble, although not necessarily, is not only the literal environment in which we live and work that might be dusty or dry air from air conditioning or heating. Um, but it is also the fact that there are plastics in our environment and even um, biodegradable plastics have a chemical compound in them that mimics estrogen. Oh, yes. And these, this, this attaches to our own hormonal processes and fools them into thinking X, Y, Z. Talk about um, uh, alternative facts mm. <laughs> or misinformation. And the hormone system gets very confused because it can cause hormones uh, to do weird things. And we see this in our young women who are moving into puberty much sooner than they did um, 25, 50 years ago. Right. You know, we have hormones in meats. And while most of us, probably on your podcast, are aware of this, many people are not. Mm. So yes. it, it is a little bit dicier to keep your voice going. The other thing that's interesting is that women have only been living into their 80s and 90s uh, regularly over the past 100 years. Ah, yes. And and in um, so most of there are many of us that are living a third to a half of our lives post menopause. Mm. That's a very interesting point. Especially if you're like me, I had an early menopause. I was done around age 42, and there were reasons for that. I am now 64. I've been post menopause that whole time, or I'm, I'm 63. Will be 64. So I've I've lived that long post menopause. Uh, I could go another you know 20 or 30 years. Right, right. That's that's an interesting point, and I think um, we have to remember that that there's still so much more research and work to be done with in regards to hormones and women's health. Yeah, and that's another thing I want to say is that. There are some women that we mention in the book, and we actually cite them. They're about, I, I don't remember exactly, maybe five or six women who in their uh, doctoral studies have done some pretty amazing research hmm. on this age group and singing. Um, and in order to get their PhDs or their doctorates. And we need more women in science and in vocal pedagogy and in positions of power in the pharmaceutical in other health organizations. Um, we need more women who are aware of this to drive the research and to also allow in all the alternative kinds of medicines that help women. Mm. That's um, a big topic right there. 
Absolutely. And so, you know, it's interesting. One of the things we were aware of was like, well, how are three of us, okay, we're well established in our fields, but how can we be taken seriously by the otolaryngologists and the ENTs and all this, all of the people associated with voice care? And what we found out is that the average woman, if she has the right, if she has the skills for this kind of thing, and by the way, my skills for this did not come in until post-menopause. If I had tried to do this when I was 25, I wouldn't have had the executive functioning skills to do this. But they came in post-menopause just fairly recently, like the past three years. Right. Um. If we can do this, if that information is there and we're bringing this awareness in, um, then why don't the otolaryngologists and the ENTs consider? Many of them do, by the way. Mm-hmm. Many of them do. Most of them don't yet. Well, I I wanted to share a personal thing. And, and again, I, I do have to thank you and Nancy and Joanne. You have a wonderful Facebook group. Uh, f- uh, with singing through the change in women's voices, and it's a very vibrant group. And uh, with my own, with my own health, when I went to my doctor, I had a lot more questions to ask, and I felt a lot more empowered with with asking the right questions when it referred to uh, not just my physical health, but I always, I was also able to bring to the table that, look, I am a vocalist and these are my concerns because, you know, and, and I was so lucky, Kate, my, my gynecologist's daughter is a professional singer and she completely, completely changed the conversation when I told her that I was a professional singer and and my voice was a concern and she she actually we had a better conversation about what to expect from some of the treatment options so I think I would like to thank you for bringing all of this information to the forefront and allowing women to become more empowered with knowledge so at least they can ask better questions and advocate for themselves that's the point of the book i mean it's the book we wish we joanne and i wish we had had 20 25 years ago we basically wrote book we wish we had had Mm -hmm. um i think of course things are a little bit better now my my own gynecologist I went off of HT after complete hysterectomy. I had the complete hysterectomy around age 49 and then went off HT at 55 because the information that was still around then was influenced by what came out of a 2002 report by the Women's Health Collective, excuse me, Women's Health Initiative. Mm -hmm. We talk about that a little bit in the book. So I went off of HT at age 55 and started to tank in every possible way. Oh, no. Brain fog, cognitive ability, um, nerve dysfunction, um, uh, severe vertigo. Wow. um, Immune system tanked, heart palpitations. And it wasn't until I, it wasn't until I started writing this book, I kind of, I got through the worst of it somehow, which is another whole story. Um, I saw every kind of ologist there was to see, and no one ever suggested, I even saw an endocrinologist. Okay. No one ever suggested that it was, they were postmenopausal symptoms. Wow. And uh, my gynecologist, I, I had stopped going, and I went back to her, and I described what was happening and she says, oh, we need to put you on HT. That was only this past October after starting to write the book. Oh, wow. And so she put me back. She said, there's evidence that, you know, you don't have any of the risk factors. There's evidence that hormone therapy after 60, as long as it's individualized, as long as we track liver function and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you're not, not a risk we can put you back on it. It changed my life. Oh, and it also wow. it also helped with the nerve dysfunction from the paresis. Wow. 
although that's not, I don't think that that was totally hormonal. I mean, I know it was, which is what I track on the, um, the vocal fry podcast. I, I put on my Sherlock Holmes hat, tracked back, (laughs) put a whole bunch of things together. And, and that, that's what we have to do with our health. We have to advocate and we have to bring all of the details to our team and, and be able to ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, I think that this, we're just on the cusp of this team approach. Mm-hmm. You know, even five or six years ago, while there were leaders in the field talking about the team approach, it wasn't known to your average highly educated voice teacher who read. I mean, even those of us who, who were there, we did not know this stuff. Mm-hmm. Stuff has started to come out, right? And um, it's the way it's, we see this as a next major step in vocal pedagogy. And what we want to let you all know is that this book isn't a how-to book. It's not a how-to sing book, and it's not a how-to-teach-women-going-through-these-phases book. That's because we feel that there are just too many variables. And like everything else, you have to look at the person in front of you and work with that person. There are a couple things we'll mention in the book, and I won't go too far into them now, but a couple things are, in my in my work with this age group. And I've been teaching since I was 14 years old, which is hilarious. Um, and my my gifts have not been in contributing to pedagogic literature. I think you need to, like, like I say, have these executive functioning skills in order to write in the language and do the academic rigor that's required, which I did not get until recently. Mm-hmm. Um, my gift was in working with literally over 8,000 singers in the trenches, working one-on-one or in groups. These aren't social media numbers. These are literal people. Wow. And one of the things I found out was that I had to be incredibly stable myself in order to work with this age group because their hormones are whacking out. They don't know who they are half the time. They cry through their lessons. Wow. Wow. Um, they, I'm talking about, you know, I've worked with equally as many women this age who didn't have any of this. Of course. Right. But, you have to become stable and you have to be set healthy personal boundaries for yourself as as well as them. And that takes some skill to do. Um, let me give you an example. Um, one singer that I work with who is worse through the worst of her changes didn't understand that she had a vocal fold injury. And this was a singer of some substance and, um, you know, pretty um, impressive credits. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to her in her first two lessons, I think you need to be checked out by an otolaryngologist. Um, And I proceeded to work with her as if it was a vocal fold injury. So many of the many of the normal ways of working with the singing wouldn't have worked with her because, and she remained in denial for a few years. Mm-hmm. Finally, got it diagnosed, and that that was um, that was a tough transition for her. And I really just had to make it about what she could do in the moment and not insist that she do a certain thing because she had too much going on, not to mention her own family and blah, 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 blah. So the pacing of a lesson becomes paramount. And this this really exquisite combination of personal grounding on the part of the teacher, Mm -hmm. let things roll off them and stay with the task at hand, but allow compassion and room for things to evolve like they're going to with that person. 
that's not something we talk about in vocal pedagogy very much. You are correct. I, I love that you've brought that up. I think that um, I know, again, looking personally at my teaching studio, there's been times where students have come in and have brought in far more than just their vocal issues. Uh, and you do have to, I love what you said about setting boundaries and creating a safe space. Um, these are all so important to our own health and to the, the ability of us helping the people that come to us. Thank you for bringing all of that up. Well, and I think this is one reason why it's so exciting to see vocology and vocal health become part of vocal pedagogy, because, um, you know, working with injured voices is a whole skill in itself. And one, I think for women who are having a lot of vocal issues through these times, a lot of them are vocal pathology mm. that's gone diagnosed. Um, then you have women who've just let their voices go and are getting them back. I mean, you can't expect to leave your singing for 20 years and have it be the way you remember it from 20 years ago. <laughs> That's okay. Not I, thank you for saying that. Now, I would like, Kate, I would like some language. How do you say that nicely to a singer that has come into your studio? I say... I'm so glad you decided to explore this and get back to it. But singing is like an athletic sport. You can't expect to stop doing it for 20 years and jump right into where you were at a younger age. And you've got a road ahead of you. And as we're working through this, you will have to make the decision whether or not you want to do the work because it's going to be your time and your money and you're working through. And I lay it out all up front. I love it. You're managing expectations and you're setting setting a road. Brilliant. I'm stealing all of that. Well, I didn't do it when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, because when we're younger singers, and I, I mean maybe up to age 40 or 45, I mean, you have to take a look at my perspective, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And although I know many who, who are not into this, but you think that you get somebody in who's a little cuckoo, because, like in my area, because of the way our school system crucifies young learners as well as their parents, mm -hmm. <laughs> own menopausal changes. They self-identify with a certain kind of voice, and you're asking them to build foundations in another way that maybe they just don't can't handle right. at that time in their life. So that's why I, that's why I, I lay that out. They say, well, I had a couple of voice lessons for a couple of years. And I'll say, that's not enough. And if they don't want to hear, if they can't work within that, see, this is how I, I, this is how I create my own boundaries. I don't want to work with you. Good point. You know, and when we're younger, we kind of have to work with everyone that comes our way. Um, and this feeds into the idea of ideal client. I have lots of ideal clients mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to make one thing, right? But you're gonna, if you're going to work with me, you're going to do the work. And when you feel discouraged, you can let me know and we'll work through it. But if you don't do the work, I'm not the person for you. I love it. No, if you want to just, if you want to just sing songs, um, as a matter of fact, <laughs> Uh, Dr. Kathy Price, who's a close friend of mine for over 40 years, we met in graduate school. She has the story of a very famous person, a very famous person on the political scene who wanted voice lessons with her. And it turns out all he wanted her to do was play the piano so that he could sing old sea chanties. Oh, and, and she said, that's fine. It was the easiest gig I'd ever done. I just went in and accompanied him and collected my money and left. So if that's okay with you, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But each teacher has to decide what gifts they have and what how they want to use them. That is a great, uh, that's so wonderful. Thank you for saying all of that. I think we need that reminder. Um, and, and sometimes we need the language. We need to know how to. Yes, 
set those boundaries, but in a, in an, in an affirming and inspiring way, rather than just a list of things I won't deal with. Well, I think for a lot of women, because at least for me, you're you're used to not being listened to. Mm. At least a lot of women, baby boomers. Let's put it that way. Um, I love seeing people like you and Michelle and so many others coming out and having worked at this yourself for a while, or even in Nancy's case, my co-author's case, she reported never feeling thwarted when she was younger. So that's not in her makeup at all. Right. She, she it, you know, now she has says that sometimes she's driven crazy in meetings where perspectives are so different from hers Mm. but she's never felt blocked and those of us who have felt blocked or repeatedly not listened to whether or not that is actually true it's how we feel right we have to go through a period of maybe being angry for a little while and learning to say no right (laughs) and then Once you've gotten that out, you can finesse it into language that is kind to both yourself and the other person. That is great advice. Thank you. Don't try to immediately go to language that is nice. Mm. You might have to let it it out a little bit before. And that's why writing is so good. You can let it out in your writing for however long it takes. I think that's great advice, Kate. Thank you. Now, I have a few questions for my listeners. First of all, when can we expect this very important book to be released? We are hoping to release it on April 16th, which is World Voice Day. Oh, how wonderful. Um, I have to say that we are hoping to release it. Very good. (laughs) It will be released before the Nats National Convention in June. Wonderful. Okay. Now I want you and your co-authors are presenting at Knoxville. What's the date time of that presentation? Uh, the, the, the day is the Sunday of the conference. Okay. And I'm looking at the date right now. Oh, that's the 28th. The 28th. And we are presenting first thing Sunday morning. Um, There's some really, really awesome other presentations going on at the same time. Um, But ours is Sunday morning, and this hasn't been arranged yet, but we are trying to arrange sort of a meet and greet later on for anyone who attends that conference who wants to follow up or learn a little bit more. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So now I cannot let you leave until... You give us. And now the warm up of the week. Your warm up of the week. And you have a lovely warm up, but I want you to, um, I want to, I want you to share why you chose it and also who it would be best suited for. I chose the warm up because it's, it's first of all, it's a variation on something I think a lot of teachers do anyway. Mm-hmm. It's also part of uh, resonant voice therapy, which um, or a kind of resonant voice therapy, which speech language pathologists and singing voice rehab specialists use. And as long as someone doesn't have uh, certain kinds of pathologies, it's useful for anyone at any age. Oh, lovely. If they have trouble doing it, you just find another back door in, but it's a very good generic exercise. And basically, um, what it is is the MUM, M-U-M. Mm-hmm. It's also a good choral warm-up, by the way, um, for those of you who direct choirs or lead choirs. And you go through all the vowels in two ways. The first way is on single pitches, like... Mom, 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 and then mom, 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 me, 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 
then you go up by half steps. <clears throat> the other way you can do that is through a pattern. Etc. Etc. Beautiful. And it can be done in within a range that a person can do, mm -hmm. or can do it over an arpeggio. Beautiful. That's all the vowels because each of the vowels feels differently. Mm. Mm -hmm. And we want that lovely hum of the mmm, which is, by, by the way, very difficult to do with vocal pathology. I can only show you what I did after seven years of therapy and a very hard slog. Wow. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to start off with that. Um, but it can be used in lots of different ways. And you can use, like, if you have two singers that are doing a duet and you're warming them up, you can have them do that together so they can sort of get in sync with each other. Oh, that's a great strategy. Well, thank you for that. I know I'm going to take that back to my studio right away. Now, Kate, I, uh, I enjoy, and I'm going to put links in the, on the podcast page and in the show notes. You have a wonderful, wonderful blog. You share brilliant topics and insight into everything you do. There's so much there. Um, is there any, is there any articles specifically that you would, you would like to bring people's attention to? Um, well, first of all, I'm on a little hiatus from the blog right now, but I'm going to return soon. <laughs> in there, there, there is an index okay. and I have, um, a few posts on singing voice rehabilitation. These are all case studies. And I have a few very unusual posts about uh, working specifically with the different kinds of people that I've worked with that I call a masterclass series, but it's it's tending to things that are never discussed in masterclasses. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's and, and the, the new topic, I am going to start uh, Working, I am going to start um, discussing specific singers going through these physical and vocal changes of perimenopause, menopause, and aging. Because one of the things that we discovered that um, is fascinating and it doesn't appear in the literature yet is that menopause, when it is discussed in, in voice changes, it's lumped in with aging. And there are many there are many people, doctors, that say, oh, of course, vocal changes of menopause have to be lumped in with changing. And often there is, I mean, aging. And often there is overlap. The problem is it's not uncommon for a woman to be finished with her menses when she's in her late 30s. Right. Or early 40s. So... Issues of the aging voice, which let's say start between the ages of six and 60 and 65, in terms of how medicine defines it, are not going to be an issue for that person who's 40 and finished with menopause. Mm. And that's what we want to highlight. You cannot lump them in together. So we'll be talking about that on my blog fairly soon. There will also be a blog on the new Singing Through Change website. Mm, okay, I will put links to all of this. And Joanne and Nancy will be contributing to that too. Well, I would, I would like to thank you, first of all, for your time today, for this wonderful conversation, but also for your extensive work in this topic. I know that this is going to help so many people, whether it's a singer themselves or like us, like voice teachers in the trenches. Thank you so much. And for, for myself, being able to take more information back to my own doctor for my own health, I cannot thank you enough. And I cannot wait to see you in Knoxville. So, oh, me too. To you. <laughs> so we, we get to, we'll finally get to actually have a nice hug in person. And I can't wait to catch up with Nancy. Uh, Nancy was a wonderful guest on our podcast. And I have yet to speak to Joanne, but I'll, uh, I'll see if I can wrangle her in for an interview sometime soon. Now, oh, yeah. 
for for anyone that would like to um, learn more about Kate um, uh, and her her wonderful resources and her blogs, um, check the show notes uh, and the podcast page. And um, yes, and if you if you are one of those teachers planning to go to Knoxville, you cannot miss the early morning Sunday, June twenty eighth. Uh, all three of you will be there. Yes. So yes, Nancy, I'll... Joanne, and Kate will be presenting uh, the Singing Through Change, Women's Voices in Midlife, Menopause, and Beyond, um, their their keynote presentation. Um, I'm so excited for you and for this release. And I'm sure, Kate, I will have you back. I have so, I have so many more questions for you. <laughs> well, I'd love to come back. And thank you for this opportunity. This is wonderful. A very special thank you to Kate for that wonderful conversation. If you would like more information about Kate Fraser-Neely and her upcoming book, please check the show notes for all the links mentioned in today's episode. As always, I'm wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made my canoe music. Canoe music.ca